0: I want to say a special thank you to everybody who serves in so many directions. And um, this morning, case in point, we showed up, and uh, really early, a few of us came in just to kind of make sure things were OK. And I'm uh, so thankful for everybody working so hard. The pipes were frozen. We had sent out the message, you know, hot drinks, cold morning, and uh, the coffee maker wouldn't work because we had no water, the bathrooms were shut down and we like, had to get a heater in the little room back there and, and the coffee bar team, they're trucking coffee from the other building across in five degree temperatures early morning. I, listen, I just want to say a great big thank you to everybody who's serving, volunteering, making it happen. Would you just help me voice our appreciation? Everybody in the Destiny family, thank you so much. It really does take the family together and uh, I want to just point out to you as we near the conclusion of the year, I'm going to be talking next week about New Year's revelation as opposed to New Year's resolution and I want to just encourage you to ponder and pray, what does God have to say about your 2017? He has something to say and uh, as we launch into the new year, some of you perhaps are not members of the church family. You know, it's great to attend and see if this is where God's planting you. But if you sense that this is a call of God, it's a decision you make in your heart, then I encourage you to walk through the first 40 days of the year with us in community groups. And the community group tables are out right there to your left as you walk out connect with one of those leaders. That's what it takes in order to walk through and become a part of the family here at Destiny. We want interaction and personal connection. Fill out the merge card if you would, if you're interested, and we will schedule a personal meeting with one of our pastors. I'm actually trying to do almost all of those if possible, Um, but we want to just sit down and talk. You know, Our goal here is not to get people to come to church. You have to understand, that is not our goal. Our goal here is to make disciples. And some people won't come to a church where we are so aggressively making disciples. And that's okay. We're going to be true to who God's called us to be. And, uh, and so I invite you on that journey if you'd like to take some steps forward in that. Did you notice the sign was gone when you came in? Wasn't that exciting? You show up and there's like nothing in the sign. It's because we've got a new sign coming up. And so uh, we'll pop up and let you see kind of what, you sh- what we should expect this week. And so The new sign, new logo, Destiny, some people don't realize we're a church because our school has such a pronounced um, presence in the community, so we're, we're still Destiny Christian Center, but we're going to put this on the sign so that it clearly communicates we are a church for the city. It communicates the heart and soul behind what God's called us to do, and uh, then the school logo will be beneath that on that second component and a new marquee coming soon, so uh, It'd be great. Just so you're aware, we're not just an empty warehouse. One of my daughters said, Dad, we look like an empty warehouse with that sign like that out there. So We're not just an empty warehouse. We're a place where we gather as the people of God to declare God's kingdom is here, Jesus is alive, and so are we. We're awakened to the purposes of God. Come on, let's all just celebrate that and thank God today. Come on, there's a purpose and an assignment for our gathering. So, Lord, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you to awaken us to Scripture today. We don't want to just come talk about biblical ideas that are clever. We want to explore the Bible, which is powerful. Lord, I pray that you would help us to dig deeper. Help us, Lord, as your followers, to express your kingdom in our transformed lives every day that we live. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Take your notebooks if you've not already done so and uh, pass those down. Take a moment and sign in for us and write your prayer requests if you have anything that we can agree with you about. And today what we're going to do, if you'll take out that Jesus in Romans note card, we're going to focus in and continue in our progression of exploring how Jesus is revealed in each and every book of the Bible. Jesus is uniquely revealed in each and every book of the Bible. So it's been so cool to see where he's revealed in the Old Testament Scripture and now well into the New Testament Scripture. As Now we're at a place where Paul is writing letters to the churches in the various places. And today I want to try and provide a little bit of framework and context and history uh, as I've been doing for each of the books so that one day when you're going back and reading your Bible, you can get online and find our website with all of these messages there. Uh, and it just will help you in each book as you're reading, just to find out maybe something uh, that you wouldn't have necessarily known. And, and what, you, what I want you to see is we're evaluating this today, Jesus revealed in the book of Romans, Jesus is revealed as one who conquers guilt. And I want you to think about that with me and just evaluate as we get started on this together. Uh, there are people in this room that are under all kinds of sediment of guilt And it needs to be broken off of your life so you can become the men and women of God that He's called you to be. I grew very angry this last week as I started evaluating. I I prepared the message looking into the book of Romans, and then I go online and I start looking for discussion questions and things like that just to evaluate. Uh, You know, we provide those for all of our groups. Uh, when the groups are meeting, and I I found one guy that's a pretty pronounced ministry leader and has a certain presence, and, and he started talking about how God uses guilt and condemnation to get us to do things. And I, I want to just tell you something. That's wrong. Okay, you need to study the scripture for yourself. The Bible says that. We repent through the kindness of the Lord. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, not the manipulation because of guilt that was an emotion and a feeling that we were never supposed to be experiencing. You and I are designed to live guilt-free lives in relationship and harmony with God Almighty. If someone tells you something contrary, then they're missing something scripturally, even if somebody has pronounced ministry. Not that we've got this all figured out, but come on guys, we want to explore into what the Bible has to say about who God is, not just what people have told us over the course of time. Let's figure some of this out on our own. How many of you believe the kindness of the Lord has more power in your life than guilt, condemnation, or shame? It's the kindness of the Lord that begins to transform us, and we're drawn in and taken by his affection and by his love. And this is what Paul begins to explore into in the book of Romans. He makes some people really angry. He winds up spending a few years in prison as a result of some of the things that he's teaching, and we want to evaluate a little bit of that. Realize this is a letter that he wrote just about 30 years after the most... Uh, amazing event in the history of the world had ever taken place that divided the the timeline in two. Jesus came and was born and was crucified, died and was resurrected from the grave. The interesting thing all of this happened in, this, in the midst of this expansive Roman Empire, kind of off in a remote corner, and hardly anyone even noticed what was going on in this vast Roman Empire, especially people in great power. Roman, uh, Rome was an interesting place in this particular timeline, and it really resembles us because they were so busy. They were known as the force to be contended with. How many you know we live in a very powerful nation in the day that you and I live? And so, there's something to be gained here to recognize some of what Paul was trying to write and tell these followers of Christ. This was not a letter that went to the mega church in Rome. This was more like the house church. There were a few followers. It was a very modest gathering, a small group of people. And and this letter was this very modest letter that Paul wrote. And in Rome, there were all kinds of writings, very prestigious philosophical writings that were esteemed and known and recognized. But interestingly enough, This modest letter that got very little recognition when Paul wrote this letter to these believers in Rome, though it got very little recognition, over the course of time, that letter has had more transforming power on its readers than all of those other prestigious writings in Rome combined. How many of you know God's Word is filled with incredible life-transforming power? And we must become more astute and ingrained in the Scripture and allow the scripture to be awakened within us. And so when we look at and evaluate all of this, how in in Rome and in Roman uh, mindset and ideology, Jesus came and he conquered this guilt. He addressed issues of power from an entirely different perspective. Romans, the book of Romans reveals Jesus is the only way for man to reconcile his sin, both Jews and Gentiles, and here lies within the rub. So we're going to pick up Romans chapter 1, verse 14 to 17. Interestingly, it says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the And the gospel of righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, or the just shall live by faith, an incredible transforming scripture uh, that Martin Luther began to embrace and the Protestant Reformation began to unfold and emerge, and here we are today. Here's the thing that I want you to understand, This, this little element that seems almost inconspicuous, but to the Jews and the Gentiles... So, what's going on here is Paul's writing a letter and he's saying, just so you know, Jews, uh, like the elite religious membership has now been open to all humanity. The Messiah has come and has transformed and changed the whole landscape of religion in our world. This is you and this is me. We are invited in to be a part of the family of God. You need to understand, we're not mere guests in the house of God. We are family seated at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? We're not just family. Uh, We're not just guests in the house of God. We're family. He's our father. We're sons and daughters. That's huge. Have you ever just seen a father interact with, this child and, and a perspective of love and adoration and affection and connection. and I mean, there's just something so powerful about Father God reaching into our lives. And, and I, we all know what it is to fall down, to make a mistake, to blow it. And for God our Father. And it's hard for us to reconcile it in our brain, but He's right there trying to pick us up, dust us off, and get us moving forward. He doesn't want us to grovel in our mistakes, but He wants us to be awakened to His grace. Jesus didn't die so we would grovel in our mistakes and God would rub our nose in it. Jesus died and paid the ultimate price so that all of us could enter in in a perspective and a place of truly understanding what it is to be family with God. It's a profound revelation that Jesus ushered in. and Here Paul is reiterating this in a time where there would be all kinds of frustration from these Jews. There were, there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees that were aligned in belief structure, and that was their distinction. There were Palestinian Jews, there were Hellenistic Jews, and they were aligned by their heritage in a, in a unique way. Because Hellenistic Jews, they actually had forefathers that intermarried with Gentiles, And these are like the Samaritans were called half-breeds and dogs. You you remember the story of the Samaritan woman and she says, even dogs get the scraps that fall from the table. And Jesus said, your faith astonishes me. That whole thing is because she, she was given a legacy of compromise. I want you to think about what I'm saying. Because some of us in this room can identify with having an entire legacy of compromise. But in a place of legacy that's been handed to us of compromise, Jesus is right there to draw us out of that place of disappointment and despondency, of failure, of frustration, of absolutely no true legacy at all, and replenish and restore us in such a way. Listen, you might actually not have a long line of people that served God before you, but you can be the first that starts a legacy that produces generations of believers being awakened to the purposes of God. Paul is saying everybody gets included now. And the Jews were angry because the Jews had for so long worked so hard to obey the law and do all the things that God wanted them to do. Now they're frustrated because they're hearing, you mean after all this work, like the Gentiles get, you're saying the Gentiles get to get in on this? And it's a lot like church people today. We work so hard to be so good. And then, like people who aren't so good, they just want to jump in as if they've been good all the You, you know the, the whole story of the prodigal son? Like the son goes off and he does all kinds of stuff, and, and the, the older son stays and he's faithful. You, you knew the story. And then the, the, the kid that was so unfaithful squandered his inheritance. I mean, he, did, he didn't come back because you know, he was w- hoping to get a seat at the table. He came back just because he was starving to death and was just hoping to be a servant in his dad's you know, whole repertoire of people that served and worked there. But he showed up, and the dad comes out and says, I love you, I embrace you, I replenish you, I restore you. And then over in the corner is that faithful older brother, and he's mad. You know who he represents? The religious person that kind of holds it together. That's who that represents. That's who the Jews were in this particular story, in this particular scenario. As Paul's giving this writing, listen, I want you to understand something. Every one of us are desperately, utterly, absolutely lost and hopeless without Christ, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've not done, no matter how good you've been. I know it's frustrating if you've really been working hard to be good. But I want to tell you that we need Jesus more than any of us realize. The Bible says if you offend just one point of the law, you're guilty of all of the law. That means the best person in the room is still fully guilty of all the law, and we're all equally desperate for Christ. That changes the way we think about it. That changes the perspective of how we love and consider other people. We're all just on a journey trying to find our way. Some people in the room smoked crack. Some people in the room smoked religion on their lives growing up. Do you understand? We all have our drug, and we all need Christ. We all need Jesus to deliver us and help us have a replenishment of our conscience that we might be awakened to the purpose of God. And this is what was happening, crazy how this happened and what he was revealing as, as Paul was writing. So that was your blank, I hope you got that. Family was the blank. We're not guests in the house of God, we're family at the table of the Lord. So this is, this is wild, and this, I, I hope you'll get this as Christians, we'll really let this be a deposit. Not only were these Gentiles, which the Jews considered to be filthy and unclean, not only were they embraced by God, but they were given a Holy Spirit internal guidance system. Pretty wild. But like God embraced them as Father, gave them His Holy Spirit, and from within, they then were capable of a level of obedience that were, it was beyond what the Jews had been able to provide for God. And we see this in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, where Paul says, "...the Gentiles who did not have the law did ex- instinctively the things of the law." The Gentiles did not know the law, but they wound up obeying the law in many respects." They didn't study the law. They didn't know the ceremonial law and the civil law and the moral law according to the book of Leviticus and Scripture. And, and, but they somehow, they kind of had a sense to know what's right and wrong. It was kind of funny because I've had two people today come to me and they say, I woke up this morning and I wasn't going to go to church and I decided I'm get, I need to be there. And then they came to church, and they're feeling good about not not staying home. They made it. They arrived, and it was the Holy Spirit trying to get us to a place as a family where we're connected. How many of you ever just had a sense of, I need to stop by and see that person? I need to make a phone call to this person. You show up at work. Somebody's on your heart. Somebody's on your mind. You have an internal guidance system at work within you. And let me just tell you, guilt is the number one killer of the signal God's trying to give us god wants to break us free from that today if we can understand so i I was in a pastor's home and he so old school he didn't really get it with you know like no the no wi-fi at his house okay and uh and so i was wanting to check back home and i'm i open up my laptop and i've got like five signals coming in this was back in the day when we've learned a little more from security, you know, you don't do this, but like his neighbors use their last names for their Wi-Fi signal, and a couple of them weren't even locked. <laughs> so that's not wise. Don't do that. But, but I, I looked at those, and so I realized, oh, wow, you know, Roberts and Smith or whatever it was, and I, I logged on, talked to Tracy a little bit, and the next morning I went down, I'm talking to the pastor, and uh, we're having a conversation, I said, hey, do you have neighbors named blah, 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 and, and he just stunned. Look, he said you are a prophet from God. <laughs> I said, no, you just have Wi-Fi signals coming into your house and you have no idea. And I thought about this later because think about it. like He had signals in his house that could have you know, given him all kinds of access to information and help that he could have you know, needed. And he didn't even realize the signal was coming into his house. This is the way we are. Like There's a signal coming from heaven, and every believer has a receiver. We just need to learn to pick up the signal and start paying attention to what God is trying to reveal. There's a signal coming into your home. There's a signal available for your heart. Come on, why don't we just clap that in and declare it today? We just received an awakening to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of God. And and honestly, this is the thing. We complicate this so much. I want to give you some real basic idea, okay? If um, I I went out to work on our... uh, We had leaves blowing into the pool in these cold temperatures. I can't let my pump get congested or you know everything will freeze up and it's just constantly running. And so I went out and I'm scooping leaves out of this crazy pool and it's freezing cold. And you know, I mean like I'm out there five or six times in the course of a couple hours. So I'm not really even putting on a jacket anymore. I'm just kinda running out hurry getting up. And it got so cold and I didn't have a jacket and I didn't have gloves. I know, I know uh, that's dumb, but I I went out and and I I'm scooping leaves and, and I got the pole wet. Where I was holding on to it, and my hand literally froze to the pole, like the tongue on the pole. Don't ever do that. And so there I was, and, and, and I, you know, I mean, I was able to get it off pretty easily, but like it was really cold. And I came in, and Lexi was cooking cookies and baking. And I walk in, and my hands are like bright red, and, and the little piece of skin, you know, where the pole was stuck. And I go over and I turn on the burner, and I hold my hands high because I know I can't feel anything with my hands, and, and I don't want to. You know, roast my fingers over there when when I don't have feeling, because you know people do that too. And so I finally got my hands warmed up, and I I turned the thing off, and I was like, man, I'm I'm wearing gloves from now on when I go out there. But you understand pain when I would have put my hands, if I could feel it, the pain would say, pull your hands back. You, You get that? Like pain helps you know what you should and should not do. Have you ever did something and it hurt? And you decided, I won't do that anymore. Like there was a guy in a church service, true story, gets up, he feels so compelled by God, he's come out of all kinds of stuff, background, and, and he's gonna, he's gonna, he just feels like God's told him to build everybody's faith. He's gonna run across the front of the, the church. Into the wall, and God is gonna translate him through the wall, and then he's gonna come out of the room, and people in the room will be so built up in their faith. True story. Guy really decided this was gonna happen. Um, hadn't been a believer for very long, came out of quite a bit. And so he took off running full force. Can you imagine? Smacked into the wall, bang, falls down. Get, everyone's looking over at him. He gets up, he says, The Lord said never do that again. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. Don't ever do that again. Like if it hurts, pay attention, okay? And the reason I'm I'm elaborating here is because you need to understand this very important principle. Pain is to the body. What conviction is to the spirit. Pain is to the body, what conviction is to the spirit. And the cool thing with God, like in the world system, conviction, you know, you, you do a crime and then you face conviction. And then you're in trouble, but in the kingdom system, isn't it cool? The conviction comes before you do what you, you know, the crime. Can, in God's system, He's trying to keep you from it, so conviction is happening before you might not even realize. Like this is God. This is wild, guys. This is not just for Jews. This is for Jews and Gentiles and all humanity. It is God's will that every person on the planet be awakened to the purposes of God and fulfill the assignment of heaven to help transform and take over this world, producing human flourishing in every direction, awakening every human being to truly living, not merely living, truly living in a flourishing fashion. That's the plan and God is on the inside of you trying to help bring this to pass. And the more self-absorbed we become, the more chaotic our lives are. Have you noticed that? God's desire is to awaken us that we might literally begin to reach into the lives of others around us and just promptings. Pay attention to the prompt. Will you pay attention to the promptings this week? Like, just pay attention to the promptings. You know, I, I was... I. I Usually I ask my girls for permission before I say too much like this, but, uh, and I won't go into details, but Lexi and I were driving home one day, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me of something she was walking through personally, and, and it was the day before, and, and I was just kind of praying about it, and, and I'm just asking the Lord for some wisdom to know when to have the conversation, and, and we're driving down the road, and I just said, Lexi, I felt like when I was praying for you, God was showing me this. And she began to tear up, and I would have had no idea, but we started having the most open, wonderful dialogue and conversation as her daddy. I want to be sensitive to the Lord, to give her the very best that I can possibly give her. Listen, your relationship with God will make you better husbands, better wives, better mothers, better fathers, better sons, better daughters. Your relationship with God, if you 'll learn to just pay attention, how many of you know god 's talking all the time he 's always trying to say something to us. It was bizarre, but tracy 's grandmother, when she passed away, we went through this whole ordeal and and like she was uh, the, on her deathbed really and, and and there she was in this in this center they were taking care of her and 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 they said you know she 's not going to make it another day or so so we, we Prolonged a trip. We were there in Muskogee when all this was going on, and we said, Well, let's wait another day so that we're here when she passes away. And then, like the next day went, and then, like the next day went, she was a stubborn woman. She was not, it was not yet her time, and she was not going to go. And so we said, Okay, well, let's drive home. And and literally, after we left, This woman who had not said anything for weeks had not been eating, and and she sat up in the bed. I mean, it was almost miraculous that she had the strength to do this. She sat up in the bed, and she said to Tracy's mom, I'm about to go to sleep for one week, and then I'm going to go to sleep. And then she said, look, look at the angels. They're everywhere. I mean, she was fascinated with the vision that she was seeing. She goes, oh, and there's Jesus. He's trying to get our attention. He's always trying to get our attention. She closed her eyes and she laid back down in that bed, already having outlived what the doctors thought she could do. And in seven days, just as she spoke by the Spirit of God, then she went to heaven to be with Jesus. How many of you believe she was hearing from God? How many of you believe she was seeing angels? I mean, there are angels all around us, way beyond what we can comprehend. There's a whole other realm and dimension. And how many of you believe Jesus is always trying to get our attention? I mean, I, I, that has stuck with me all these years. Jesus, there he is. He's trying to get our attention. He's always trying to get our attention. Would you just close your eyes? Like, I'm not doing altar call. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Lord, we just want to open our hearts that we might understand there is an entire unseen realm all around us. And this is what Paul is saying to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Be awakened to the eternal purposes of God that move us beyond the temporal understanding of this world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Who are the sons and daughters of God? Those that are being led by the Spirit of God. Who are the sons and daughters of God? Those being led by the Spirit of God. Raise your hand if you're being led by the Spirit of God. Can I just see? Raise your hand. Okay, now understand this. Have you ever tried to lead somebody and they were not very willing? I think God knows that experience from you know, trying to lead us. Just because we're being led doesn't mean we're following and obeying. But I want you to know you're being led. Like there right now, God is trying to have a conversation with you about his word and about his spirit and about his fatherhood in your life. and He's wanting to get your attention. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now let me just say probably the greatest hindrance to our ability to hear the Lord is our own guilty conscience. (laughs) And when we start heaping guilt upon guilt upon guilt, we feel because of our mistakes, we're not worthy. And it never was about you, feeling worthy. It was about the righteousness of Christ being given to you. Do you understand? And so this guilt is a, is a, a trick of the enemy. And, and I'm going to make a statement. I, didn't, I don't think I put it on your, your blank, but this is something that over the years I've had to, to really get. And like I've wrestled with this for a long time. It has really deep meaning. So I'm setting you up to think about this simple phrase on a much more elaborate perspective. Will you give it some some more meaningful, let it really penetrate your heart. It's about maturity. You know what maturity is? If you think about spiritually mature people. Because religion calls it one thing, but I believe you get it all wrong in religion. Maturity is actually the ability to lessen the time between sin and repentance. Maturity. Lessens the time. Immaturity just kind of wallows in my mistake and grovels in this thing and like layers of guilt. And and we're not, you and I aren't designed to carry guilt. So this is what happens. Guilt comes because we made a mistake. It's too heavy of a burden to bear. We're kind of holding this guilt, but we don't want to, you know, it's so heavy. So we'll grab about half of the weight and we'll shift it over to blame and now we're blaming somebody because this happened and I wish it hadn't happened, but if that hadn't happened, now we've got weight on both sides and we wind up living our lives just so weighted down, so heavy with guilt and blame and Jesus wants us to be free from all of that so that we're not walking under that type of bondage. Romans 13, 8, we've just been on this little progression through kind of a a sketch of of the book of Romans, if you've not noticed, but Romans 13, 8, Paul says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Here he is, Gentiles drawn in, Jesus said, all the law hinges on this, love God, love others but I want you to think about it. He's talking about what you owe. Owe nothing except to love. See, what you owe in life, I want you to think about somewhere you owe. You owe on your house, you owe your friend money you borrowed. What you owe brings a perspective of obligation. And let me just give you how this kind of breaks down. Jealousy says God owes me. I see somebody else got this, I want that. God owes me. Greed says, I owe myself. I can't give to anybody else because I owe myself, and this sense of obligation of a debt. Anger says, you did me wrong, you owe me. And guilt says, I owe, and I can't pay. That's what guilt is. It's the sense of obligation. And Paul's trying to alleviate that. And the debt that's in every one of our lives that we sense so deep in our soul, every one of us, it has to be paid, or it has to be counseled, or the guilty heart will never experience relief. Aren't you glad Jesus came to draw us in? Yeah. Not just let us be guests in the house, but come on, family at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guilt is a heavy burden. Last blank. Guilt is a heavy burden we were never designed to carry. We just weren't designed to carry it. And the more guilty we allow ourselves to become, the less aware we are of what God says. When you really understand what God says about your life, I I know this is just, I mean, it's beyond comprehension. But you just believe me. Would you just believe me? You are 100% pleasing in God's sight. And it's not because of what you've done or haven't done. It's because of what Jesus did. When you look in the mirror, you see all the stuff you've done. But when God looks at you, he sees all the stuff Jesus has done. Lord, I pray that something I've said today would just resonate in each and every heart because of what you are saying to each and every one of us and to all of us together. None of us have this figured out. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. And I thank you, Lord, that as we walk it out and we love each other forward, we begin to understand more of the love of God then we are more so empowered as your people fulfilling your purpose and the assignment of God on our lives in the earth in Jesus mighty name Jesus mighty name just would you just ponder and reflect right now what has been spoken today by the voice of God in your own life that you needed Just just you, just you right there alone, just that prompting that I was talking about, your GPS internal guidance system coming alive, and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and dealing with you. If you're here and you say, man, I just am so struggling and not sure I even know what it is to be serving God, I just want to respond to Jesus today. I want to serve the Lord. I want to follow after Christ. If you say, I'm not following after Him, but I want to follow after Christ, would you just slip up your hand? I just want to pray for you today. Anybody at all? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Here, you say, you know, I just... I've allowed myself to live under guilt and I want to be free from that. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. I just want to be free from all the guilt. Lots of hands. Come on, let's stand together. Jesus, we honor you and we thank you that you came, you lived And you died that we might have life. You are the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. Each and every one of us, we need you. We need you. We need the purposes of God to be awakened within us. We need the voice of God to be ignited that we might hear what the Spirit is saying in our everyday lives. We acknowledge Jesus is Lord. We acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Come on, would you just pray that prayer with me? We just say a prayer together in this regard? Everybody say out loud, Lord Jesus, you are Lord. You lived, you died, you're risen from the grave. You are alive. You're the Savior of the world. I need you as my Savior. I need you to talk to me every day, to teach me your ways, to help me to become all that you've called me to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate this king. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worthy, worthy of our praise. You know, when Lazarus came forth from the dead, It's a type for us of when we go from death to life and we come to know Christ, isn't it interesting that he was alive, but then Jesus said, hey, you guys around him, unwrap his grave clothes. And like we go from death to life, but listen, it's pretty important that we be connected to the people around us to go from life to real life. (laughs) Like we need each other real bad. And that's the whole idea of the church family. And So I just want to, I want to ask you if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with my church family. I want you to understand something. You're living less than your God-given destiny. Jesus didn't die so we could just show up to church casually, but he died so we could become family together. And so if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with my church family, I want you to slip up your hand. Let's just be honest together. Just hold them up there just for a second. Lots of hands. And I believe God wants to help us take some steps. And this is the way you do that. Pretty simple. But we'll contact you and help you know what those steps are if you'll just take a moment, write your name on this merge card, and write church family. I just need some church family conversation. And you'll drop that in the giving station at the back. And we'll connect and help you take those steps. We want you to become everything God's called you to become. We're here to help you be that. Everything he's called you to. Come on. That's what God's called us to do. Listen, we're going to press in and worship just a little more. Let's take what's stirring in our heart and let it be an expression. There's one more verse. Would you pop that verse up for me, Nicole? It's out of Romans, the continuation. It's chapter 15, verse 1. It says, I love this, the message paraphrase. Isn't this powerful? Because think about powerful Rome. He said, let's not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. I mean, that's a powerful statement, especially to the most powerful group of people on the planet. Strength is for service, not status. I sense the power of God right now in this moment. Would you just cooperate with what He's doing? I want to say to you, strength is for service, not status. I believe God is helping us to get aligned in a, in a new and, and maybe even a, a completely different angle from the perspective that we've been holding. Strength is for Service, not status. Strength is to make a difference in the lives of others, not just to build up my own life. God wants to awaken something of the purpose and intentional value of the heart of God that we might fulfill His mission, His mandate. So come on, let's cast off some of that guilt, nonsense the enemies tried to put on us. As we press in and let's worship. As we worship, maybe you need to step back and just have communion and thank God for his broken body, Jesus, that gives us access into the kingdom. The communion tables are always here during worship. Maybe you need to say, I'm declaring my resources are going to be a declaration of the kingdom expanding and move your, um, go back toward the giving stations and give, make a declaration that the resource of our lives, we are here to declare God's kingdom is expanding. Come on, let's worship, let's press in, and let's declare the goodness of God as we break free from guilt, shame, and condemnation today.